0: Yeah, one thing that I that I that I want people to know today is that there's no mistake that you're here right now. Like God is so good, and I and I'm excited about what He's already done today, what He's going to do, and what we're gonna walk away from this place with. Uh, we we've begun our our sermon series in Advent. And so we're walking through that process. Thank you, Neil. I think Neil just took off, but Neil preached last week, and he preached on wonderful counselors. So we're going through a few different names of God. Uh, And so Stephen Denon's going to carry the torch from here and then into the next week of Advent and going to be be talking about mighty God. And so with that ado, Steve-O, have at it. Okay, uh, this morning uh, we're going to continue on in our series, uh, Advent series that we're calling Named. Um, for those of you who are maybe not as familiar with the season of Advent, Advent is um, uh, this season that takes place about the four weeks leading up to Christmas. This is a season that the church has uh, around the world really has celebrated and participated in for uh, more than 1500 years. And that word Advent literally means coming or arrival. A- Advent is a time where the church, where, where we, the people of God, where, where we take time to just prepare our hearts and expectation for Jesus, okay? I-, I don't know about you, but, but, but I think the church was on to something many years ago, and certainly we've experienced that today. When, when we get into this season, it gets really busy, yeah? It gets like super full. There's a lot going on. It's easy to be distracted, and, and, and somewhere along the line, they were like, hey, hey let's stop for a second. Let, let's make sure that as we're, we're coming up to this celebration of the coming of Christ, that, that we are stopping to be and preparing ourselves for Jesus. And that, that's really our hope and our prayer in this season is that we as a church, though, though the, the, the Christmas season is just amping up. If you've been anywhere um, outside at all, like Christmas music everywhere. Christmas movies everywhere already. Christmas lights everywhere. Like my neighbors had like lights on their house like three weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it, We're like in, in full. Go- People are already cooking for Christmas. All this kind of stuff. Shopping for Christmas. And it's that along the way we don't miss the, that true essence of what Christmas is all about. And that's Jesus. And so we're taking our time um, in this season and in this series to really just focus in on him. And really just saying, okay, God, help us see Jesus. Help, help us, Lord, get a picture of Jesus. Maybe that's bigger or clearer or more true than we've ever experienced before. God, we want to know you. And, and so that's this series. And so our um, series is called Named. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. That's our main text. Um, I want to I want, I want to pray specifically for this word, um, and for us this morning. So I'm going to ask if you can if you'd stand with me. Um, man, it's so important that that when we come and we gather that we believe that God has something for us. Yeah. Do, do you believe that this morning? I, I, I don't know about you, but like, I, I find myself in a place where, um, where there's no real excitement in my heart about just showing up to church and just doing something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what do you do? When we go to church, we sing songs, somebody talks at us, and then we go home. Man, if that's the, the, the extent of our day, then, then we may as st- well have stayed home. Yeah. But, 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 if, but if I know I'm going to come and I'm going to gather, and God, you're going to speak to me. Right? Like, like God, you have something that's for me. You have something that you want to minister in my life. You have something that you want to reveal to me and show me. Then, then, then I'm, I'm going to get up for that. I'm going to show up for that. And that's the kind of expectation that God wants us to have. That we would know, we, we wouldn't wonder, we would know that if we would dare to get up, if we dare to show up, that God's going to be here. God's going to be present. God's going to minister and God's going to speak. And it's for us. So I'm going to just pray and ask God to minister in His word, and, and as I always do when I preach, I just like to invite you to just ask God to speak to you. So Father, thanks for this morning and thank you for this word. God thanks for your word. Father, thank you that you love us so much. God that you want for us to know you. God that, that you do speak, that you do minister, that you do reveal. God, pray that this morning as we open up your word that you would do just that, Father, that you would speak and that we would hear you. God, that you would speak and we would receive you. God, I thank you that it's not a mistake that any single person is here in this room right now. It didn't happen by by accident, it wasn't chance. God, you planned for this moment and this day for us to be in this room right now, God, so that you could speak to us and you could minister to us. So Father, help us to grab hold of all that you have. Would you just take a minute and just invite the Lord yourself and just tell him, God, I want to hear from you this morning. Just tell him, God, speak to me this morning. Speak to my heart this morning. Help me to hear you this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Have your way in this time. Have your way in your word. God, plant The seed of your truth in us, God. And may it produce good fruit in us and through us. Lord, we love you this morning. We bless you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bible this morning, open it up to Isaiah chapter 9. That's our main text this morning from Isaiah chapter 9. And before we read this, once again, I, I want to just give you a, a little bit of context to help us understand kind of this prophetic word that, that Isaiah is giving to us, and, and to maybe help us see this a, a little bit clearer. Isaiah is a prophet of God, and, and Isaiah is, is living in a time when Israel has been divided into two kingdoms. And so there is the kingdom of Israel to the north and the kingdom of Judah to the south, and and. and And Isaiah is in Judah, and and Judah is being ruled by a wicked king named Ahaz. Okay, some would say he was one of the most wicked kings in their, in their history. But, 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 but Ahaz is, is someone who acknowledged that God is, but is someone who refused to obey and follow God. He was someone who had erected statues to other gods and, and led the people astray to following those gods. He just, he just practiced the, and participated in, in sort of the, the atmosphere of the culture and the atmosphere of the world uh, around them. And, and so this was a, a really dark time. In their history, people were experiencing a famine of, of sort. Not so much of food, but of hope. A, a, a famine of, of God. And, and in fact, they, they, in spite of that, they weren't turning to God. In spite of the fact that they were in this condition, in this place, they weren't turning to God. Instead, they were sort of turning to everything else but God. It's funny how we do that sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's true for even some of us this morning. Maybe we find ourselves, or you find yourself this morning in a dark season. Maybe you find yourself in a kind of personal famine of your own. You're, you're, you're struggling, things are hard, things are uncertain, you're discouraged. Neil talked about it last week, how, how for some of us the Christmas season is, is not the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it's it's not like a holly jolly season for us and instead it's really a dark season. It's not a season where you look forward to Christmas day. It's actually a season you look forward to getting past Christmas. Because it's a reminder of hurt or pain or loss or there's more despair for you than there is joy. Or maybe it's just even like in their day, uh, you find yourself maybe like some of the people there where you just sort of look around at the cultural landscape. Like what seems to be happening in the culture and around and it just overwhelms you. And you're just like, man, it just seems like it's getting darker and it's getting worse and it's not getting any better and and you're just struggling with that. Whatever it is for you, you, you maybe find yourself this season struggling to have hope, struggling to believe in the goodness of God or that there is still a breakthrough that is coming. It's dark and it's it's into this darkness that Isaiah speaks. It's into that moment. It's into that season that the prophet Isaiah has this word from God and speaks. And this is what he says starting uh, in verse 2. Isaiah chapter 9 starting in verse 2. And it says, it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness A light will shine. Isaiah says, listen, for you who are in darkness have hope. There is light that is coming. We just sang that. I can see a light that's coming for the heart that holds on. Right? There's a light that if you find yourself in darkness, hold on. A light is coming. Okay, verse 3. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Not only is there hope to be had, there's joy for you. Okay, if you find yourself in darkness, there's joy for you. There's a joy. There's going to be rejoicing. Your despair is going to be replaced with joy. Verse 4, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. What is he saying? He's saying that breakthrough is coming. That, That the power of the enemy, it's going to be broken. Okay, freedom is coming. This is the declaration that, that Isaiah is making to a people in darkness. Hey, if you find yourself in this darkness, hold on. Hope is coming. The, the light is coming. Joy is coming. Breakthrough is coming. Well, how's it going to come? Where, where is this coming? How, how's this going to happen? What's going to actually change? What is the answer for this condition? Right. And Isaiah gives us the answer with our Advent text. And he says this in verse 6. He says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. The answer, of course, from Isaiah and to us is Jesus, okay? The answer has always been Jesus. The answer is always going to be Jesus. The answer was Jesus more than 2,000 years ago, and more than 2,000 years later, the answer is still Jesus, okay? So just like the people of God all that time ago found themselves in, in darkness, and maybe you're there too, and you find yourself, in just dark, and you feel hopeless, and joyless, and powerless, and afraid the morning, then you have to know, Isaiah says, there is a hope, there is a joy, there is a breakthrough that is coming, and you can't get it from within yourself, and you can't really get it from anyone or anything else. The only place to find that truly is in Jesus. He is for you. That's the first three words of verse 6. For to us. Jesus is, comes For us, Jesus gives himself to us. Jesus is the gift of God given for us. And just like any gift given, the only thing we can do is receive that gift. Or not. Now, now what Isaiah then does is he tells us about this gift of Jesus by telling us about his name. And so he doesn't just say, hey, this is coming, and and guess what? There's going to be this Savior, there's going to be this child that's born to you. Okay, great. Are you happy about it? And you're going like, wait, a baby? that's it? Like a baby's going to be born? And like, I was hoping for something good, you know, like something effective, something that like... And he's like, no, no, let me tell you, okay, about this promised one. Let me tell you about this Messiah who's coming. And so he tells us about him by giving us his name remember that in the bible names are incredibly important, right? In our day, right, if we tend to be really honest, when it comes to names, we tend to pick names because either they're, like, trendy, right? So you get, like, the name book, there's, like, five million names, and, like, they rank them in, like, top 25 boys' names, girls' names, you know, all that stuff. And you go, well, that sounds cool, or whatever. Or it's, like, we pick them by how unique they are, right? So it's, like, I don't want the trendy name. I actually, what I really want is the unique name, so nobody else has that name on, like, position, right? Like, that's more Argo. Bigger than that, though, if you're a parent, is you Try to pick a name that you don't think other kids will use to make fun of them, right? Yeah? Can I get an amen on that? Okay, so just to give you an example, I have some slides of some people who, who didn't think this through really well, okay? So uh, the first one, go ahead, Dora, um, is, is a f- baseball player who I love, Coco Crisp. Uh, you know, it, if your last name is Crisp, your mom shouldn't name you Coco, right? Coco Crisp was a cereal, right? Like, uh, great baseball player or not. Okay, next one. Uh, her name is Tara Dactyl. Tara, now, now it's possible you don't pronounce that Dactyl, but if you do, you don't name your kid Tara if your last name's Dactyl. It just doesn't go, okay, next one. Crystal Methvin. Okay, like, man. Like, come on, parents. Okay, next one. Cash Register. Like, if your last name is Register, don't make it. Cash, like, it's too, okay, next one. Knight Jedi. Now, Part of me believes that's fake, but I hope it's real. I really hope it's real. And somebody did that. That that was creative. Okay, next one. Christian guy, come on, man. Like, you know what's worse for this guy? If he's not a Christian. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, I bet you're a Christian, huh? He's like, nah, nah, man. Right? Okay, next one. Dr. Wet Farts. Now I'm pretty sure this is a European doctor, so it probably isn't pronounced just like that. But we know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, L- last one is my favorite. His name is Bizzle Dudu Zappity Zip Zappity Bop Bop Bop. Okay, I'm not even sure I said that right. But but like when you're a parent, you got to think this stuff through. You know what I mean? If you're here this morning and, and you you you're still thinking you're gonna have some kids, please think it through. Okay you don't have to go trendy or cool, but don't do that all right um but 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 that's what we do right when when, when my kids were born and, and we started talking about names like like That that's where my mind went. My my wife would like throw out a name, and I'm like, How do they use that? Chuck, Chuck. What rhymes with Chuck? Right? It's like, No, no, no. We're not doing right. Like whatever it was, it was like I'm I'm trying to break down. And if they gave them a nickname or shorten their name, like what does that turn into? And does that sound crazy? Right? But 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 that's not how they did it in the Bible. Okay, like like in scripture, they weren't like breaking down the name to see like you know did it sound goofy or whatever. In the Bible, a a name was given really in a sense of. of proclaiming something about who this child would be and about what they would do. It had to do with their their calling and their character. It It was a declaration, really, of who they were. And so names were significant, so significant that we actually see throughout Scripture God himself changing people's names so it would more rightly reflect who they truly were and what he had for them right? Like, like if, if a name wasn't a big deal, like, who would, God would just be like, ah, oh, it's funny, we named him Liar, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. But God's like, no, 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 that's not gonna, that's not your name. That isn't who you are. I'm gonna name you, and I'm gonna call you this, because that's who you really are. So when, when God speaks to us through the prophet Isaiah to reveal to us the name of this coming Messiah, this promised Savior, right, he's declaring to us what he will be like. He, he's telling us about his character, and his, and his nature, and about what he will do, about his calling, Okay, about his action and activity. And and so it's really important for us to know the name of God, the name of Jesus. If we're receiving this gift who is Jesus, then, then we need to know what his name means for us. And Isaiah here in verse 6, he gives us four names. Now now there's many names in scripture, titles that are used for, for God, but, but here Isaiah wants us to understand that these four, these are essential for us to know about who this Jesus is. And last week, if you were here, uh, Pastor Neil talked about Jesus, our wonderful counselor. If you missed that, you can go on our website, you can give that a listen to, it'll bless you. Uh, this morning, I, I want to just talk to you and share with you about the second title he gives us, and that is Jesus Mighty God, okay? Jesus, mighty God. The, the, the first thing that, that I want to just point out here is that, that, that Isaiah makes it clear for us that Jesus is God. Th- this is a really, really big claim that Isaiah is making here. Th- this, this is, this is a, a, a huge deal for that time because what the Jewish people expected, right, was, was this Messiah, was this, this promised one who would come, that God was going to send somebody, but but what they didn't know and expect was that God was going to come himself. And, and all throughout the Gospels, then, we also read about how, how people struggled to receive Jesus, not as a good person, not as a good teacher, not as a person with power, but as God. And the same holds true for us. The, the reality for us is that most of the world recognizes that Jesus was a real person who lived. That's not the challenge. Okay, A- everybody virtually has something to say about Jesus, and, and most of it is pretty good. Okay, even in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, though, the Apostle Paul, he, he warns us that, that there are going to be people who come and offer to us different kinds of perspectives and opinions about Jesus that are not true. And Paul was right. I mean, just today, you can find opinions and thoughts about Jesus in every single area of culture, from pop culture to world religion. Everyone has an opinion about Jesus, but all of those, in all of those opinions and perspectives, Jesus is still a man. He's just another person. Okay, now to most, he's a good person. He's a good leader, he's a moral teacher, he's a great humanitarian and social justice icon, right? Even when you look at virtually all the world's biggest religions, they offer Jesus in some way. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that he's the first created being of God, but he's not God. To to, to the Mormons, he's the devil's brother, and he's one God who God gave the earth to as a planet. To the New Agers, he's this transcendent state of consciousness, which is apparently a good thing. To to the universalist, Jesus is is kind of like Mr. Rogers and Barney and Santa Claus all rolled together. He's this really super-duper, nice, sweet, tolerant guy who agrees with everyone and just wants everyone to be happy, but whatever, we're all going to heaven anyways. To, to the Scientologists, they say Jesus is, is an implant forced upon a thetan about a million years ago. Whatever that means, I don't think they know either, right? But like, that's what they say. To the Buddhists, he's an enlightened man like the Buddha. To the Hindus, there's different views, but again, some say he's enlightened like Krishna or or, or he's one of many gods, but not, not this singularly special uh, uh, only God, and, and to In Islam, Jesus is one of the five great messengers of God, but certainly lesser than Muhammad and definitely not God. Everyone has something to say about Jesus, and whether it's in pop culture or religion, in every case, Jesus is a man. He might be a great man, and he might be even a man sent by God, but he's still a man. And and scripture knew, I I love this, because God knew, he, he knew that one day, that, 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 that we were going to be confronted as a people throughout, from his coming forward, that we were going to be confronted with people who would say, no, 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 he was just a man. He was just a man. Now, good man, no, I'm with you, he's great. No, he did great things, but he's still just a man. But 700 years before Jesus is ever born, God says, I'm going to tell you about who, who's coming for you. And through his prophet, Isaiah, God declares to us that Jesus is more than just a man. That that Jesus is God. Jesus is not a God. And Jesus is not simply sent from God. But Jesus is God himself. God to us and God for us. And this isn't said about any other religious figure anywhere. Just Jesus. So, so, So this is a really big deal, okay, and not just for them, but for for all of time, because by his name, Isaiah is proclaiming that, that Jesus is more than just a man who identifies with us, and that's good, right, like, we need to be aware of the humanity of Jesus, Jesus knows what it's like to be us, Jesus has experienced all the things we've experienced, Jesus knows what it's like to hurt, Jesus knows what it's like to lose, Jesus knows what it's like to grieve, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed, Jesus knows what it's like to have joy, he knows what it's like to have sorrow, he knows. He knows all of it because of his humanity. But it's not only about his humanity. Jesus is divine. He is God. We cannot miss in Jesus both his humanity and his divinity. He's not just from heaven. He made the heavens. When we come to Jesus, we don't just come to another person. Not... We don't come to even a great person. We come to God. To to take it even further, Isaiah calls him mighty God here. Because he wants us to see this more more acutely. And this this term mighty God is actually, uh, it's a military term that would be translated, uh, that word mighty is this word gibor and it actually means hero or warrior. A better translation then would be to say that Jesus is the hero warrior God. In Exodus 15, 3, it says this very thing about God. It says that the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. This is a God who fights for his people, a God who protects and defends and contends for us. This is an overcoming and victorious God. See, see, if we miss this about Jesus, okay, if we miss that Jesus is uh, the mighty God, then we're going to make him something so much smaller in our lives. And this happens all the time. It happens for so many people in place of Jesus, a mighty God, in his place stands just this cute sort of cuddly buddy Jesus, right? Who's pretty nice and sweet and passive and all-inclusive and, and politically correct and tolerant in every way, shape, and form, right? And, but, but, but ultimately is pretty powerless. It, it's no wonder then that why we seem to be overcome so often and ineffective against the stuff coming against us because we tend to end up then trying to deal with God-sized problems with man-made solutions. Why would you take your seemingly big problems to a God who's not very powerful and not very big? See, see what we have to understand about the devil is that, that the enemy would love for us to just believe that about Jesus so that he can keep us right where we are. So, so that we'll never experience breakthrough, right? So that, that, that we'll just stay, we'll never have victory and experience that for our life. We'll just stay where we are. But but Jesus, Isaiah tells us, is the mighty God, meaning one who comes with power, not just the sustaining power, okay? It's not just like the power to like keep us, but like with, with supernatural power, the power that Scripture decides or, or describes as this overcoming power, this breaking through power, this victorious kind of power. This is why we hear the Apostle Paul say in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. He says, he's talking to the church, he says, church, don't be discouraged. Instead, be thankful, be grateful, okay, because God, your God, Jesus, he is leading you always into triumph. He is leading you always into victory over this world, over the flesh, over the devil. He's leading you into victory in Christ Jesus. What this also reveals to us then is that there is no real overcoming and victory apart from Jesus. It happens in him. And in him, all things are possible. Not because nothing can defeat you, but because nothing can defeat him. This is why that verse, 1 John 4, 4, we hear it. Many of us heard it before, but but it's good to be reminded of that. Right? Where he says, listen, greater is he that is in you. That's that's Jesus, right? That's God. Greater is he, greater is the one who lives within you than than the one who's in the world. That like the power, the overcoming power you have access to that in Christ. First Chronicles 29:11 says this about him. it says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Do we see this? Jesus has all the greatness. He has all the power. He has all the glory. He has all the victory. He has all the majesty, and everything belongs to him. Okay? In heaven and on earth. All of it, it's his. And because it belongs to him, everything will be as he says. Not one of his plans will ever fail. Every plan he makes, every single one of them will come to pass. God speaks this very truth through the prophet Isaiah in in chapter 14, verse 24. God says, look, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand when God speaks something it will happen there isn't another word that is more true than the one God speaks so when God says I love you he really does when God says I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you because I'm with you he really is when God says, I'll provide for you, I'll protect you, I'll fight for you, he will. When he says that, that no weapon formed against you can prosper, it can't. When he says, I'll give you rest and peace and hope and strength and wisdom and purpose and power and everything you need, he will because the word of God can never fail. He is the mighty God and every word he speaks will come to pass. So, listen, if you came this morning and you you find yourself in a spot where you're like, I feel overwhelmed, I feel overpowered, I feel overcome, God's answer for you is Jesus, the mighty God. Just take some time and read through the Gospels. I'd encourage you, man, one of the things that is great and would be great, if if you're like, man, I don't know how to read the Bible or where to go, keep reading the Gospels. Just keep reading them. Oh, just look at Jesus. Just see who he is and what he's done. How Jesus stepped into the most broken and hopeless lives and circumstances and situations and changed what looked to be impossible. The the Gospels are full of the evidence of Jesus, the mighty God. If you're dealing with attacks from the enemy, spiritual attack, demonic attack, temptation that just seems to continue to overcome you, right, then that you just get you again and again. Well, Well, one of the first things that happened, Jesus in his ministry is the Holy Spirit leads him out in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? So so Jesus dealt with Satan, not just as a man, but as God. And, and, and Satan shows up and he offers to Jesus all the same stuff that he offers to, to, to us. He offers Jesus the same thing. He offers them this wealth. He offers them these possessions. He offers them this position. He offers them the same thing to us. This opportunity to feel something, to have something, or to be something apart from God. What does Jesus do, right? Most of us have, have remember that story. The devil shows up, he offers him these things, and Jesus looks at him and says, "Nah." uh uh-uh. it's written. Let me tell you, devil, about what is true, about what is real, right? In his face, Jesus refuses everything he offers. He overcomes the devil. Satan has nothing on Jesus, right? In, in Luke chapter 11, there's this great scene where Jesus is casting out demons, okay? And, and the people go, well, no, no, the reason he's doing that is because he's from Satan, you guys remember that story? So, and, and, and Jesus is like, what? Like, that doesn't even make any sense if I'm from Satan why am I casting out demons you know like like whatever but here's what he says in verses 21 and 22 he says for when the strong man he's speaking about Satan here is fully armed and guards his palace his possessions are safe listen until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings in other words Satan might be pretty big bad and tough but compared to Jesus he's nothing okay compared to Jesus is the stronger man and so when Jesus shows up, up, the enemy has nothing that he can do to withstand him. Jesus is the mighty God. You're not stronger than your sin and temptation, but Jesus is. Everything the devil threw at Jesus, all of his best shots, Jesus defeated. He threw temptation at Jesus and he said, it's written, not my will, but the Father's. He threw demons and Jesus told him to get out. He threw brokenness and sickness and disease and Jesus said, you're healed. And people were. He threw hatred and shame and attack and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He he tried to trap him with religion and Jesus said, I'll build my church. He he tried political muscle and he says, the government will be on on my shoulders. He tried lies and Jesus said, I'm the truth. He he even tried death and Jesus said, get up and come forth and the dead were raised to life. Whatever Satan has against you, Jesus, has more, whether temptation or sin or demons or even death. Jesus has already defeated it all. Jesus has even made death our servant. He's made death a doorway so that now the worst thing that can be done to us is to be sent directly into the presence of our Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, and 57 says like this. For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're dealing with attacks from the enemy this morning, Jesus, the mighty God, is the answer and the victory. Okay, Jesus stepped in and he defeated the enemy. He defeated sin and death. There's nothing that's standing between you and him this morning. The the other thing that it reminds me of that, that maybe is for someone here this morning is that what that means is grace for you. That, that that maybe maybe for you this morning the thing that's been hardest for you to receive is simply the grace of God for your life. His forgiveness. this This passage it 's funny, right, like we talk about this a lot, but when you're, um, when you 're preaching how you tend to like experience so many different things and what you 're talking about, and here i am i 'm talking about Jesus the mighty God, and preparing for this and talking about man, Jesus overcame death and, and, and sin and, and all these things and and, and Thursday night, um, you know my, my wife finds out that her biological dad had this massive stroke and, and he has no brain activity and um, and we're just you know in that place, and okay, God, what do you want to do here and and, and we're praying and and we're asking the Lord, and obviously god can God you can do anything but it, but it's isn't it funny that like you find yourself in these moments right like even as you're preparing, you're talking about God you're talking about the goodness of God, and then something hits you right, sort of smack dab in the face, and you are like, well, what about that you know how how mighty is God in that moment right is he see but 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 what came to me and and, and you know and my wife was able to go and, and, and have a moment there and, and, and he actually passed away last night, um, but but what I was reminded of is that that in that season in this later part of the season of his life he gave his life to the Lord, and, and so so what what, what what I was reminded of in that is that well wait a second like like yeah yeah we can grieve that but death didn't win. Jesus already beat death, and so, so all that happened to him is he was ushered into the presence of the king. He was ushered into the presence of his father, right? And so, so death didn't have an answer, and when, when Jesus overcomes death, death still serves us. There is no limit, however, to the power of God. And, and, and I think that, that God just, man, I, I just have this sense that, that God just wants to stir up in us a faith to believe God to move in power. You, you can't read the Gospels and not be overwhelmed by Jesus who walked the earth and, and moved in power. God gives us these stories to us and, and, and the Bible's chock full of them so that our faith can be ignited, right? So that, that we can be reminded just of who our God is. It is. The scriptures are a testimony to us of the power of God to the power of God, a God who shows up in power in the lives of his people. One story I'll share with you. Mark chapter 5, there's a great story. You can read it in verses 21 to 43. But, but, but Mark chapter 5 is this story of a father who, who surrenders his pride and his, his high position uh, to come to Jesus and ask him to come to his house because his 12-year-old daughter is dying. And, and so Jesus agrees and Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to come, but, but of course, tons of people are trying to get around Jesus. Tons of people want to follow him. Crowds are gathered around him. People are trying to touch him. At one point, a woman who had been bleeding for years touches Jesus, and she's healed by it, and Jesus turns around, and, and Jesus starts talking to her. And as Jesus is standing there, talking to this woman who, he has, uh, who has touched him and is healed, a servant for this man, Jairus, she shows up and says to him, hey, don't bother coming and bringing Jesus, because... It's too late. She's already dead. Like, there's no point. So just let, let Jesus, let Jesus be. And instead, Jesus looks at the man and he says, hey, it's going to be okay. He tells him, don't, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Just trust me. And so they show up at the man's house, and the house is already crazy. People are all over the place, moving all around. People are wailing and, and mourning and sobbing and crying. It's just this incredible scene, right? And Jesus shows up, and he, Jesus looks at the little girl, and he goes, Oh, oh, she's don't worry, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And people are like, What? Right? And, and they're like, This Jesus is crazy. Like, clearly Jesus doesn't know about death and all this, right? Like, Jesus, we checked. She's really dead, okay? And, and they, they, they mock him. They laugh at him. They're like, there's this crazy guy who shows up. This girl is, is dead. How ignorant is this Jesus? How foolish is this Jesus? But what does Jesus do? Jesus goes in and takes the girl by the hand and he says, little girl, get up. And, and immediately she does what he says. And she gets up. Immediately her, these lungs that with Or without air fill. That this heart that was still starts beating. That this body that was motionless stands and begins walking. Because he's Jesus the mighty God. It doesn't matter what your situation looks like. It doesn't really matter what anyone else has to say about it. It doesn't matter people's opinions about it and it doesn't really matter the limitations that you may have or the things that are thrown your way. We tend to look at our lives and situations and mostly see the barriers and the limits that we have. So so so, well, medically speaking, it it just can't get any better. Financially speaking, you're not gonna be able to do it. That dream in your heart, that desire, you don't have the skills, you don't have the resources, you don't have the qualifications or background. We we tend to look and all we see is the impossibles. But but Jesus doesn't have any limits. Jesus doesn't have any barriers. There is no impossible for Jesus because in him all things are possible. And the Bible says they are possible. All things are possible for those who believe. Jesus is the mighty God who even speaks the dead back to life. He can restore what's broken. He can reverse the irreversible. He can change the unchangeable, he can fix the unfixable, he can do the undoable, and he can save the unsavable. This is the same Jesus who who spoke and created the whole world, including us. The same Jesus who parted the Red Sea so his people could be free. The same Jesus who who takes a little bit of fish and bread and multiplies it so there's an abundance so that people are provided for. Right? This is the Jesus who walks on water, who heals the sick, who casts out demons with just his word. This is the Jesus who's asleep on a boat while a storm is raging, so ferocious that experienced fishermen stand up afraid for their lives and have to wake him up and be like, Jesus, help us. Don't you care if we drown out here? And Jesus simply gets up and looks at that storm and he rebukes the winds and the waves and he just says, be still. And they are. At this, the disciples just look at him with awe and wonder. Right? And they say to themselves, who is this? Who is this guy? Who, who's this Jesus that we've been following? Who, who even he commands the winds and the waves and they obey him. He's Jesus, the mighty God. That's who. So the, the, the real question for us when it comes to Jesus is, is not what can he do. It's what can't he do? What can't Jesus do? What's too big for Jesus? What do you have in your life that is too much for him right now? What what are you dealing with that's too difficult for the mighty God? The, The answer, I'll tell you, is nothing. The answer is there is nothing that you are facing, nothing you are dealing with, nothing you are walking through right now, no matter how dark, no matter how hopeless, no matter how limited you feel, there is nothing too great for the mighty God, Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 3.20, he says that, that God is able even to do more. He's able to do more, it says, than we could even ask or imagine. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, that verse always just gets me because I just try to come up with stuff then. You know what I mean? Like, if he could do more than I, I could think of all kinds of crazy things. You know what I mean? Like, like he can do more than that. Like, isn't it funny that the Bible tells us God's own word says, Listen, I'm bigger than however big you think I could possibly be. I'm more powerful than however much power you possibly think I could have. I have more. It's a, not even more, it's immeasurably more, meaning you couldn't even come up with it. That's how big God is. If that doesn't stir faith in us, then something is missing, okay? Like, we're not hearing God's word. Like, God is able to do more than you could even think up to imagine and ask him to do. If you have an impossible in your life, if you find yourself and you're like, man, I just feel attacked and overwhelmed and overpowered, If you find yourself and you're like, man, I feel like I'm standing in the middle of the biggest storm that is raging in my life right now. And you're like, man, I feel like I'm going under. I feel like I'm about to drown. Then God gives to you an answer in his son, Jesus, the mighty God. Jesus is the Satan-defeating God, the miracle-working God, the circumstance-changing God, the overcoming God, the victorious God. Okay, the one who is able to do more than you could ask or imagine, and he does for those who trust in him and call on his name. Do you know that Jesus? Do you know that Jesus? Do, do you know that Jesus? Or, or, or has Jesus been someone much less and way smaller for you? See, see, our prayer life is a good indication for us of how we see Jesus. Because you won't ever pray for what you don't believe God for and you won't ask God to do what you don't believe he can or he will. For prayer is in itself an admission that though I may be powerless, God, you have all the power and you are able. I, I think that sometimes what happens in prayer and, and, I've, and, and, I, and it's not wrong per se and, and, but I've heard people talk about it like this is that, well, you know what? The purpose of prayer is really to change us. It's really, in prayer, we're just made more like God. And that's true, because you can't draw near to God and be less like Him. Okay, so like, in prayer and as you seek Him, you you will be changed by Him. But prayer's not just so that God can change us. By prayer, God changes things. God moves in might and in power. If you don't believe that, then the Bible isn't true. Jesus' own brother in James chapter 5 is talking about the power of prayer. It's talking about prayers that heal the sick. Okay, and he even brings up uh, uh, um, Elijah, and he says, look, Elijah was a man. He was just a person like you and like me. And this man, this everyday person, he asked God that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't for three and a half years. And then he asked God that it would, and it did. And then that's where we find in James chapter 5, 16, what does it say? It says that, that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. It's not only true that God changes us as we draw near to him, as we pray to him, that he makes us more like him. But, but our God is a mighty God who changes stuff, who does mighty works, who does mighty deeds, who heals the sick, who raises the dead, who deals with the de- demonic, who deals with sin, right? Who deals with our circumstance and also who deals with us. Yeah. But that's Jesus, the mighty God. I, I know I could tell you so many different stories in my own life of the different ways God's shown up in powerful ways and in all kinds of situations but but with our time I'm going to share with you just one as I do core you guys can come back up I'm just gonna so many times uh but but this one is just one of my favorites because of all the different people who were involved and this was about uh eight years ago and it was uh my wife and I's anniversary and uh we decided that we were going to uh, go to Michigan. I know you're jealous, uh, but uh, we, we were going to go to Michigan um, uh, just for a couple of days because our kids were little. We had two kids at the time, Olivia and Mason, and and they were like four and two, and and so. You know, they, they, were, they were little, and, you know, you can't just leave little kids with everybody because they just beat whoever you leave them up with. You know, they beat them up and beat them down. And, and so, so we got Tony's mom and her grandma to come and watch our two kids. We're like, great, we're going to go. And, and so we drive to Michigan, and, and we're having a great time, and, and we're there. We're there for, like, one day. And, and that, uh, that, night, um, le- that night, we get a call, and, like, Olivia's having a really hard time. Okay, well, what's going on? Well, she fell outside, and she hurt her arm, and and we think she won't move it. Okay, um, well, did, you, know, try, you know, you try all the, all the parent stuff. You're like, well, offer her a popsicle, and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff you do as a parent to try to get your kids. Right? So, like, oh, we tried everything. She just keeps crying, and, and they're like, but don't come, don't come home, right? Because so, that's a good way to he- celebrate an anniversary, right? And you're like, oh, is my kid okay? Well, let's just have a great time, you know? Um, so... Uh, a- anyways, we, we, we wind up, we do stay the night, but then w- we call at like six o'clock in the morning, because of course, like my wife, she can't sleep, she's gotta find out. Hey, just wanna check in, how's Olivia? It's like, mm, she was up a lot last night, um, she's been crying, um, she still won't move her arm and lift it and all that stuff, and so Tony's like, babe, we, just got, we gotta go home. All right, we get in the car, happy anniversary, let's roll, right, uh, six o'clock in the morning, we start headed home, we get home, there's Olivia, she's got her arm, you know, um, won't let you touch it, won't let you look at it. You know, I'm like trying to touch it. She's, you know, she's, she's crying. I say, baby, you know, I try to do all the dad stuff like, hey, let's play a game, you know, like arms up, all that kind of stuff. She won't have any of it. And so we're like, okay, um, this is real. Like, let, let's take her to urgent care. So Tony and I get in the car and and, and, and put Livy in the back and she's kind of whimpering and crying still. And, um, and, and so we get there and we pull in the parking lot at the urgent care and we just say, hey, let's before we go in, let's just, let's just pray one more time. Let's just ask the Lord. And and so we do. And we just say, God, you know, like we love Livy. We know that you do. And, God, we know that you have all the power. And, God, that you can heal her. And we just ask that you would just touch her arm in Jesus' name and bring minister healing in her body. And, 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 and I, like, just said amen. And, and, and Livy's like, Daddy. And she's, like, in the back, like, doing this. Right? Like, and Tony and I, like, look at each other. And we're like, you know. And I'm like, Libby, is your arm okay? She's like, yeah. She's like four at this time. Like, almost four. She's like, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, did, did, did Jesus make your arm better? She's like, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and that was it. And so, like, so we literally, like, we're like, oh, okay, awesome. You know? We, we drive straight home. Her mom and her grandma's like, wow, that was super fast. You guys, like, you already saw the doctor? We're like, no. They're like, well, why, why did you come back? We're like, we just prayed, and and she's better. And they're just like, what? Right? Like, like. Like, God is a powerful God. Like, God heals. Like, like God answers. Like, God, God moves. And, and, and not just for the sake of saying, like, oh, this cool thing happened or whatever, but for the sake of his name. Because his name is mighty God. And, and as God moves in might and his power, that, that, that not only does it, does it declare the truth of who he is, but it's a testimony for us to proclaim that same truth. And and if you remember, that word testimony means that that part of that is that he will do it again. If God has done it, he will do it again. He can do it again. So if he's done it in my life, if he's done it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it in his word, he can do it here. God is able. Jesus is our mighty God. I'm just going to leave you with this verse, Romans 8, verse 37. And it says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us if you guys would stand with me I'm going to pray and we're going to respond with our worship Father thanks for this morning God thanks for your word Jesus thank you for coming Jesus thank you that not only do you love us But God, you hear us and you answer and you move in might and in power in our lives and from our lives. God, I just pray for anybody here this morning who finds themselves today in a dark season, in a hard season, in an overwhelming season. Holy Spirit, that you would just minister God, that they would see the light. Father, that that you would draw so near to them and that, God, that you would stir faith in every single heart to believe in you, to trust in you. I, I just want to invite you this morning, if you're here and, and you would say that, that you have a situation, you have an issue, you have a hardship, a struggle, you're, you're dealing with your own level of darkness, that own, your own personal famine, that, that, that as we worship and even right now as we pray, that you would just offer that to the Lord and invite him into that place. Whatever that is, that you would just say, Lord, I give you this and I ask that you would come and move in situation, this relationship, this hurt, this loss. Because Jesus, I trust you. I believe you are who you say you are and you are the mighty God. And all things are possible in you. Everything is possible in God, I just pray that that even as we go through this week, that you would remind us of the truth of who you are. God, I pray for revelation for every single person here to see you, to know you. God, and for openness in every heart to receive you. Holy Spirit, would you minister faith in us? Would you stir in us a faith to believe you for all things? God we love you this morning and we bless you you are good you are mighty you are powerful and we can trust you In Jesus name